So this morning, my topic is called Not Powerless. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I'm following on from Richard Black's session from last week. Um, and if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to listen to it. It was a great session. And if you were here last week, I really encourage you to listen to it because it was uh, in terms of a, a, a means of getting about growing in God and, um, and mental or mind health. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was great. Um, I can't do what he did, which was speak without notes for 38 minutes. Um, I can't even do two pages without it. But um, just, yeah, but in, in preparing today, I've gone back and listened to it a number of times. And it's just brilliant. It's really, a, I believe, a seminal word for, for growing in God and stuff, yeah. Okay, I'd like to start today with... Um, speaking, uh, with a, uh, speaking from a book that I've just finished reading called Through the Valley of the Kwai by a man called Ernest Gordon, which I, I'm sure some of you have read. He was a British soldier who was captured by the Japanese in the Second World War and spent three years um, as a POW, suffering under the cruel oppression of his captors, the Japanese, the brutality of it all, the, the climate, the jungle environment, the heat and all those things, which I know has been well documented over the years, so you probably will have a mind of what that was like. He writes that um, he and the others prisoners struggled in the conditions and as their desperation increased under the oppression and their behaviour deteriorated to survival of the fittest. And there were a number of incidents about just... Uh, critically desperate people just doing things to get more food or more this and, and more that. Um, and he was there for some time and eventually he became ill uh, and actually critically ill, um, so close to the point of death that his hospital bed was put in the morgue. He couldn't walk and hadn't walked for a while. He was full of parasites. He had malaria, skin diseases. He was in, in really bad shape. But while he was there, he was befriended, befriended by a man named Dusty, um, who offered to care for him, and each day came to clean his pussy sores, massages his legs, which were emaciated and didn't work. And Ernest described Dusty just as a, a man who had a simple but a strong faith. And each day, Dusty would come and dress the wounds, and they would talk about all aspects of life, the home, the pe their, their homes, the people, and all those things. And, um, and over time, they became close. And over a number of months, months, uh, Ernest began to feel some sensation in his legs again and was finally even able to stand again and to walk. But the bigger change that was going on in him was that it started to take place in his thinking, um, that death in this hellhole wasn't the only potential or possible outcome for his life. And over those months also, there were tons of discussions with Dusty about God, who he was, his character, how could he be allowing a hellhole like this to exist and, and all that. But finally, Ernest the Atheist came to faith. Um, and he, Ernest was actually quite, had been quite high up in his platoon in the British Army, and so he was quite an influential man, and he became instrumental in a gradual change around of the atmosphere in the camp, that people were finally able to, were somehow able to take their eyes off themselves and stories of self-sacrifice, heroism, faith and love began to just emerge around. And it became infectious. The mood changed from hopelessness and total powerlessness to hope, and it was quite transformational. And when you consider how wretched and hopeless the conditions were, you think, what could possibly change this at all? 
And the key was just a man of simple faith who set himself to care for others, was diligent in his service, who didn't have all the answers but listened to the questions and was equally diligent about sussing out the answers as best he could. And Dusty's trust in God was steadfast regardless of those circumstances. And I don't know about you, I find these biographies really inspiring. And often they seem to come from people of faith who refuse to lose hope in desperate conditions. A man who's not overwhelmed by powerlessness when everything around him is saying, it is, this is a powerless situation, there's nothing you can do. And after the war, um, Ernst went on to a long career in Christian ministry and service, and quite distinguished service, all because of the faithfulness of one man in a desperate situation. Yeah. So, powerlessness. We've all felt powerlessness at different times, haven't we? It's awful, isn't it? It's an awful feeling. Um, But it's actually also one we have to contend with constantly because it's always around us. And it comes to us in many layers. Um, A week or so ago, um, Anne Mason's mother... Her shoulder dislocated. She's 88, so Anne took her down to A&E, and uh, there they were trying to put the shoulder back in, and they were having difficulty with it, to the point, actually, where they had to sedate her to do it. But Anne was standing there watching her mother in absolute agony as they tried to put it back in, powerless to do anything about it. Um, or there could be things like there's a crash on the motorway, and your 30-minute trip home is now three hours uh, and, and really slow. Um, or there's the powerlessness of watching others make decisions that you know is going to be to their detriment. Um, we had a friend come, called on us a couple of Sundays ago, and he's fuming. One of his daughters, who's got a, a UK partner, is in New Zealand, but they're returning to the UK. Um, and it's, I tell you, it's really eating him up. How could they be so stupid? Why are they going from here where we're free to that over there? He, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just eating him. And, you know, we've all get that, children or different things, decisions that people make in that, yeah. There's also the palace we see, powerlessness we see in injustice and cruelty and social issues. And I, I guess I also want to ask you, how are things going for you at the moment in the current environment, you know, as the clouds just seem to be getting darker on the horizon as we go forward? How are you doing? Um, yeah. Powerlessness is described as an overwhelming feeling of helplessness or inadequacy in stressful situations. And the sense of powerlessness has actually often been considered also as a root of all negative emotions, powerlessness. When we feel powerless over our past, we often feel guilty. When we feel powerless over our future, we're afraid. When we're powerless over the present, we can feel depressed. And when we, let, when we feel like the people or circumstances of our lives just won't change, we often feel angry. And then there's a term called learned powerlessness. <clears throat> that is, factors that come out of our background or are, could be in our current situation, and they've impacted our, our view on life, our ability to operate or function effectively. They can stunt our personalities, and we struggle to build successful relationships and that sort of thing. And I think it's a really common uh, thing that we encounter. And certainly, I'd just like to say, it's, it's been very common in my own life. Um, it's, so learned powerlessness is something that I that I'm actually have been really familiar with. Um, I came from a background of pessimism, of negative thinking, catastrophizing. You know, that is that 
you know, little, little um, things happen are going to totally derail my world, that type of thing. Um, my parents were frequently overwhelmed by life and there were a lot of mental health issues that dominated. And coming out of that, what it did to me, and, um, and I'm not saying it's their fault, I mean, you, we take aboard these, these things, but it made me um, small in my thinking and my outlook. I was a really risk-averse person. Um, I was uncertain with who I really was. I was plagued with self-doubt and all those sorts of things. And you probably recall Richard last week talking about ants, you know, automatic negative thoughts. Well, yeah, I was really, really good at that. I, I was strong. I was powerful in that one, man. Um, yeah, and still can, actually, if I'm not careful. You know, you've got to work on these things. Um, but, uh, but, you know, when they come again, what is a wife for? What does God give us partners in life that, uh, that sort us out? One of those things, yeah. But it really affected all areas of my life. And it really, at times, jaundiced my view of God, um, what he thought of me, and hindered the, you know, hindered the development of my relationship with him. And all I can say is I just really praise God for the ministry I've had over the years, um, who people have helped me trace and face the source of my lies, um, or as Richard put it, find the trail of ants and follow it back to where it started from and to deal with it in that way. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful and, you know... I'm always going to, we're always going to be journeying, but uh, I enjoy my relationship with God so much more than I did back then. But as, as I say, having said that, I have to remain watchful. So how can we respond when we encounter powerlessness? What are some of the strategies we can use? Well, because we actually encounter a lot of it, there's, there's, um, there's sort of a, a general overview that we have as we get to life. And you know, perhaps something like the serenity prayer, which we know well, I'm sure. You know, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. It's a great prayer, isn't it? Did you know, and I found this out yesterday, that's actually only part of a longer prayer. Anybody seen the longer prayer? You have? Some of you have? Yeah. Well, it goes on after that, wisdom to know the difference to say, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would like it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy, reasonably happy in this world, supremely happy in the next. Isn't that a cool prayer? I think it's awesome. And I think that is the way that Dusty operated in the prison world, that was what was driving his life, those sorts of things. But you might be a person like me, who's, has, who um, has uh, found that I need to respond to things, to the, sorry, the palace trigger, by immediately aiming to take captive of every thought and make it obedient to Christ. To push back against the response and to replace it with the truth that I'm not powerless, that I have control over my response, you know, because so often things happen quickly um, that we're powerless about, they come, and because we're allergic to that feeling, we can respond so easily and quickly from the wrong source. We need to work on that. And in saying that, I just want to respond to two other, uh, or just uh, two points that Richard made last week, I think, are really important as well. And first one is that we, we do actually have to take the initiative rather than wait for God to change us. You know, we need to make ourselves available to him. And secondly, he talked about, a, if you recall, he talked about a strategy that had four A's in it. How's your memories? Four A's from Richard last week. This is your homework, who's been focusing on this, who's listened to the sermon again. Do I hear? Pardon? 
aware, arrest. You get in the right order too. This is great. You're going well. What do you do after you arrest them? Yeah. You answer back to them. And finally, apply. Well done. There they are. You put them up after, didn't you? Uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as he said, you've got to be aware. Don't deny or ignore the feelings as they come. You've got to identify that they're there. But you do have to arrest and take them captive, and you have to answer back those lies and beliefs. And you apply. You've got to replace the lie with the truth and continue to do so. So that's a couple of strategies. Third one, I think another key is you've got to spend time with God and meditating on his word. Remember Richard also said that last week. I should just get him to play his, um, his thing again. But you know, not just reading the word, because you can read it and it goes past you. You stop and meditate on it because that, I, you know, I found in my life, doing it is such a strengthening activity for my soul and spirit. Um, so let's look at a couple, a couple of the promises that, that God has for us. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying and our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that far outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we see now, rather we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Awesome scripture, eh? Yeah, good to dwell on. Yeah. And another one, 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Amen? Look, I'm just going to pause here and just leave that one up there and just leave it for a few seconds just to consider it and just soak in it a little bit. Okay, I'm sure if I go around the room, there'll be a myriad of things that have come out, but, you know, there are just some things there. God has given me resources. I am not powerless. He called me. He wants me. He thinks I'm special. There must be ways that I can access the knowledge better than I currently am. He promised to enable, his promises enable me to cope in this world and all those things. And you know, when you stop and think and allow them to settle in your spirit, they're great. Um, and I think spending time like this is crucial because I think it's so much more difficult for us to bat off negative influences if we are not soaking in his resources. You know, Satan is continually wanting to wear us down. And I think we can become vulnerable to the seed that fell among the thorns. I really do. You know, in Mark 4, Jesus said, Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke it, making it unfruitful. Um, and so I do. I think time with the Holy Spirit is crucial to help us to stay strong and steadfast in times of adversity. And in this current environment of postmodern thinking, which is largely, I'll find my own truth, thanks, um, and of truth having fewer and fewer absolutes, and of greater pressure coming on God's standards, uh, predominantly through the expansion of my rights and what is good for me is what I choose it to be, actually, I think it's critical we stay actively grounded in God in prayer and his word and just soaking it in as sustenance. 
But I want to come back to the learned powerlessness thing, and that is an area where we all struggle well, to varying degrees in that, um, and occasionally are overwhelmed by it. And it could well be that perhaps you need ministry of some sort. Some, as Richard said, perhaps some people need to, to, um, to see a trained professional. Or perhaps as it's less serious, as Peter mentioned, we've got a cleansing stream course starting, um, and it could be well be beneficial for you. Um, because Cleansing Stream has a focus on learned powerlessness, that is, you know, the unhealthy patterns of behaviour that have evolved out of your past and current circumstances. Things like rejection, anger, unhealthy soul ties, shame, bitterness, unforgiveness, fear, abuse, besetting sins, all those sorts of things. And it aims to break strongholds that may be hindering your life and to, with that, to bring greater freedom. And it also is looking to go after the source, the source of the lies that have brought you to where you are. So we do have a new um, course starting next week on the 4th of October. And the Freedom Day is on Sunday, the 30th of October. Um, you hear me describe it always as a time of just spending, you and God, spending time together, looking at your relationship and seeing if there's any holes in it, saying, Lord, what do you want? How, how can you plug these for me so we can be stronger going forward? Another suggestion for dealing with powerlessness is to build relationships with fellow believers. Um, I caught up with one of the young adults for coffee this week um, who, for various reasons, um, had, hadn't been meeting with his mentor for a while, something like 12 months. I mean, there's nothing sinister in that. He'd been out of town for a bit and COVID and all those things. But, he was, but he's about to, re, well, I believe he has re-established, just re-established it, but he was really looking forward to starting it off again. And in talking with him, he described the value of having his thoughts and fears, aspirations and problems and issues lovingly and thoughtfully carried by his mentor, or as Paul, as we would call it, Paul Barnabas um, Timothy. He was also quite looking forward to being challenged to grow and not to rest in whatever his status quos are. And I have to say, for me, that's, it's so exciting to see people who are hungry to grow. Or firstly, two things. That one, they're hungry to grow. And secondly, that they've found a place, a safe place, where they can flesh out the exciting and the tough things of walking with God. And I just think that's awesome. Okay? And so I want to put it to you. Could any of you be a mentor? Have you got a mentor? Could you be a caring, listening ear for someone to discuss the things that are causing powerlessness in their lives? You know, could you journey together, pray together? Or are you in a life, or life group? You know, do, or do you have a group that you meet with regularly to talk about this journey we're on together? You know, remember, getting together is God's idea because he knows it's good for us. And just with all that, there is one aspect of powerlessness that I haven't mentioned, and that is um, the powerlessness that God brings in his desire to grow us at times. And it may be some of the issues we're walking through, but the truth is we actually so desire to be self-sufficient and control it ourselves that he has to come along and he sometimes needs to bring us to the ends of ourselves in order to bring the changes that he wants to do. Um, and... You know, and others are so good at that because change by ourselves is really quite difficult. Yeah. So I want to, to encourage you that if you're struggling with powerlessness in any area of your life, please don't stay there. Don't stay there. Um, catch up with your life group leader or one of the elders or someone that you can trust. God does not want us to stay powerless for any unhealthy reasons at all. Yeah. 
Finally, just like to touch on that, particularly in today's times, we also have the opportunities, to perhaps, to be the dusties uh, to those around us. You know, dusty, a trusting and humble servant of God, who can quietly get along someone, alongside someone we know is under pressure, speaking hope to their fear and to their powerlessness. You know, we know the state of the world is causing enormous levels of anxiety, and that's going to increase as people stress. Um, and they, you know, people are wondering, have I even got a, a future to look forward to? But we, who have the hope and the knowledge that God is in control, whether it's COVID, economic meltdown, conspiracy theories, or whatever else is causing people to feel powerless, God has the answers. So let us work together to be the people who, exist, who exhibit and represent the only real and lasting source of hope that's available <laughs> to the world. Perfect. <laughs> um, my prayer for all of us um, is Romans 15:13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing hope where others are finding powerlessness and hopelessness. Let's pray. Lord, first of all, there are times when we feel overwhelmed by the circumstances around us. And Lord, I pray that as a people, if we're finding powerlessness, consistent powerlessness, Lord, that we would come before you either by ourselves, Lord, or in one of the strategies of um, dwelling in your word, Lord, or of coming to others to say, please, can you help me? I'm struggling with this. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people that would, that, um, would have those listening hearts listening ears, Lord, to really hear the cry of, the, of um, the person's heart and to go forward with that. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you are in control. Um, there may be powerless down here, powerlessness down here, but there isn't in heaven and there isn't any in the realm in which you operate. And we really thank you for that. And because you've called us to that and you called us to be part of your powerful people. So I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.